Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. This episode contains spoilers from the Shadow and Bone Trilogy and the Six of Crows Duology by Lee Bardugo and the Shadow and Bone Netflix Adaptation Series. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. You're getting ready to move soon, aren't you? I am getting ready to move soon. It's been um, a little hectic. I have books everywhere because I don't have my, I, I have a baby bookshelf right now. I bought a bigger bookshelf, but don't want to set it up until I move. So I have a plethora of books that are just laying everywhere. That's been fun. How are you? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been good. I I think I'm ready for summer now. It's starting to get warmer. My pool is like slowly getting warmer and warmer, warm enough to swim in, I guess. And then I'm just like waiting for all my winter vegetables to die so I can replant everything. Nothing really exciting. My life is boring. <laughs> this week, we are getting into, or we're finishing out yeah. our reactions, reviews, screeching of <laughs> from the Shadow of Bone Netflix show season one. This episode is episodes five through eight. We are both have at least watched it once. I'm on my second time around. You've watched it. I'm on my third watch around these. I forgot how action packed these episodes were. Like the first four were a lot of emotion. And these last four are action packed. There's the iconic lines, the ultimate heist, the getaway car. I don't know. This is good. I liked all five. These last four episodes were really, really good. They were probably my favorites. Yeah, they, I would say, yes, they are very intense. I think, yeah, I would have to agree <laughs> with that, with that kind of overall consensus of the show. So I guess we can start getting into it. Episode four five. ended off with Mal finding the stag. So we start episode five with Neil walking in and getting Alina ready for the celebration that night. She's got, you see the black kefta, she's doing her little, her tailor stuff and um, getting her ready to go. And it's a very, again, one of those kind of iconic line scenes where she tells her, she, you know, she warns her, beware of powerful men. I think you and I kind of talked about this a little bit offline, but we were talking about kind of their friendship and how we felt about how that was portrayed in the show. It didn't feel like it did in the book. Yeah, that was the one thing that was my big criticism about the show was that I felt like their friendship wasn't there in the same way that it was in the book. Because that was like one of my favorite parts was how close they were and how she felt like this was, you know, her first like real and genuine friendship. And then in this, it was just like, yeah, Gena showed up a couple of times, was sort of an advisor to her around the little palace, but I don't feel like they were genuinely friends. And it was all the same scenes. It was all the same interactions. It just, it just didn't feel as genuine. So I didn't love that part. I do like when David comes in and kind of hands her the gloves and we really get to see Alina lean into herself and like her power. And she says, I don't need the gloves. Thanks though. And David's so awkward and uncomfortable. And he, the actor does a great job at playing David and their interaction with him and uh, Genya is just perfect. And I loved that scene a lot. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. We finally get to meet David and it was, I was very excited to meet him in the show and see how he was going to be portrayed. And it was just so perfect. There's definitely a difference because in the show or in the books, rather, she has like the little mirrored gloves. Whereas this one, she's just like 
thanks, but no thanks. I got it. We're good. Yeah. I was interested to see how they're going to play this because those gloves didn't come in until the second book. So I was confused as to why they brought them in so early, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny that she told him she didn't need it. So I'll, we'll see how that goes in the second season. And then kind of the next part of this is Kaz, you know, finds the door. I felt so bad in the, in, for him in this little part. Cause you can really, this is the only part of the entire season really where you kind of see him favoring his leg more or rather his injury is more apparent and so really the only the only time in the entire season where he really shows that disability rather and then he continues to walk down the hall and then he he's looking for the door for the dressing room he can't find it and then the fabricator comes up and opens the door so he's like well and then they meet in the little carriage. Yeah. And I like the part, you know, kind of after that, where Jesper and Inej are prepping for the heist and they're kind of having that conversation together. And I love their friendship and it's just so wholesome. And you can totally see it in this where Jesper's, you know, flirting with that, the stable hand and trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And Inej is like, you're not even paying attention. He's like, I think you were up in the air at some point. Right. And it's just so funny because Jesper's the comedic relief that we all wanted, but he's also so quirky and you can tell that he is a really good friend to her and really cares about her and everything that's going on. And on top of that is also trying to find a fast horse and a fast carriage to get out of there. So I thought that scene was hilarious. And I like that Inej, they kind of had that philosophical moment and talk about, you know, what are we going to do if she is real and, and all that kind of stuff. And Jesper's like, I understand that you feel that way and I'm here for you as your friend. So I thought that was really good. Then we kind of go to the weird scene where Alina says, I want to go outside to the carnival because this reminds me of Cranston. And she's like, I'll wear one hat. Just kidding. I'll wear two hats. I hated that. I thought that was so uncomfortable. <laughs> so awkward. It was so weird. She walks out with no hat in a bathrobe. That was also kind of awkward. It felt very unlike her character from the book. You know what I mean? As far as, you know, in the book, she does talk about the carnival and she does talk about Cranston and enjoying that. But I felt like in the show, she was just like, there's the scene of the actors portraying Alina. She's like, should I tell them? And it was just so awkward. It didn't feel like true to Alina's character, I guess. It felt a little weird. Um, yeah, she but... kept saying like, I, I don't want to stand out. I've like never felt like I belong. And then kind of came out and told everybody, I want to do it my way. I don't know. That was, that was a weird interaction. And the way that she did all of that is like, it's like she doesn't ever care about her own safety. And I feel like that wasn't, that's not really true to her. Like she's not that reckless, but she was. And then this is when we get like the ultimate crossover and Jesper finds out who Alina is. Elena, Alina, what's her name? I thought this scene was interesting because Kaz sees Maria, you know, in the dressing room. And I thought he was going to tell Jesper, no, that's not the right one. That's not the Sun Summoner. But Kaz is so smart and he realizes that, that they have a decoy and she's a double. Yeah. And so that was really good. I liked that a lot. I thought that he was going to say something a little bit different and he didn't and sort of figure that out ahead of time. So I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. And it kind of rolls into why later, yeah. like later on in the episode. We're in here and Edge is part of the entertainment jesper is wooing the stable boy and kaz is a guard and then so is the conductor so then the next part is you know the darkling and alina kind of had their first intimate interaction she brings up his captain and helps him put it on and she's still in the damn bathrobe and they have that chat and this was so spicy he like holds her face and i was shocked I was shocked that she kissed him first. I thought that was so good because I do feel like, I mean, we all feel this way. The Darkling is a little pushy and like, that's his persona and he's trying to, you know, manipulate her or whatever it is. So I liked that she kissed him first. I thought that really, I don't know, like encapsulated the Darklina and like brought it together and made yeah. it feel like so much more believable. Loved that it. like kind of hit it home. It was kind of like, it was her choice to do that and her choice to make truly that first move. And he's like, people don't normally surprise me. And it was a very Darklina yeah, that was spicy. It was great. 
So that happens. And then she's can again, continuing to get ready for the night. It goes to the, well, actually it goes to Mal. His commander is sending word back to the darkling that they found the stag. And Mal is like, I need to go and see her. I need to talk to him or talk to her, talk to him. And he's like, okay, you get to go. He's on his way to the uh, fete. And then we go to the scene where Jasper seduces the stable hand. And this one was so funny. I love this scene so love much. I love that. <laughs> I like when Jasper's like, I'm not an actor, but I am a two occasional role play. And I was like, yes, his character is hilarious. It was so funny. I like that a lot. And then we kind of go, you know, now we're into the scene where it's the ball um, and she's on yeah. display. And I liked the interaction between uh, Ivan and Fedor. Their interaction is so precious. And I really liked their characters being together, like as a couple. I thought that was really cute. And that kind of changed the dynamic between the two of them. And I don't know, we said this the last time, but kind of made them a little bit more relevant. But this is so well played out how Kaz, you know, spills water on his shirt and gets all the guard uniforms. And this was so fun. And it felt like I was reading Six of Crows, you know, the actual heist in the ice castle and all that kind of stuff. And I, I really liked that and how they kind of brought it all together. And, you know, Nej got to be a guard and see her summon the light. It was a very powerful scene though, because it was one of those scenes where it's the first time that she hasn't needed to use him to bring that kind of light. It was a moment of her really breaking off and coming into her power. That was Yeah. And she walks on the black kefta and oh. Like, oh, I thought you needed help. And he's like, Oh, I thought you had royal guards, but you look beautiful. And I was like, yeah, she does. Go ahead. Oh, good. It was so good. Then there's the first time that Mal and the Darkling meet. And it is intense. Mal is back and he's like, I'm not going to tell you where the stag is until until I get to see Alina. And then it's funny because the Darkling already knows who he is. It was such a power mover. He's like, well, tell me something about her that no one would know. Like, what's her favorite flower? (laughs) And immediately Mal's like, irises the blue ones not the white ones okay i'll lead you to her chambers and you you guys can talk later and the next scene here comes the dark leg and he walks up to alina and he's got blue irises and i was like dang Hey, he's got to do what he's got to do. That was so savage. I love that. I do I like that Mal that. kind of holds his own because I feel like in the book, he doesn't really have these interactions with the Darkling as often, like the face-to-face ones. And so I really liked that Archie played that so well. Like, I think he was a really good actor for this part. And I liked that they kind of wrote those scenes in and those interactions in where they're kind of having that like man-to-man talk and not like power-to-power talk, you know, because obviously the Darkling has a lot of power and Mal has absolutely nothing. So I did like that. I thought that was hilarious. And then I think we skipped this, but we kind of go to that part where the conductor breaks into the room and attacks Marina and she's the decoy dressed as Alina. He murders her. I watched the scene and I literally thought it was a mistake. Like I thought he accidentally killed her. And then I I did too. So I watched it. I was like, oh, he didn't mean to do that. That was not good. And then I I rewatched it and I was like, oh no, he meant to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I, my, I was like, (gasps) literally, I was so shocked. I did not expect that to happen at all. That part was so sad. And you know, Kenny does such a good job and when she says that and she's like, I don't want to die with someone else's face. That was the emotion and the, and all of that was so good. And I'm interested to see what happens as we go further on. And we've kind of talked about this before, but this isn't how it plays out in the book. So I'm interested to see how they go further into this without Maria and without Ivan and how that's going to affect kind of book two and three. Yeah. Then we have the creepy He's We haven't so- talked about him yet. But this is not who I thought they were going to cast as him. I thought he was going to be an old, old dude. So I was a little bit surprised that he was kind of younger. I guess I didn't read that well. His interactions make me so uncomfortable in every scene that he's in. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, but he did so well, you know, in this playing this role. But it was just, you know, the apparat's supposed to be creepy anyways. But like, he just gives me the creeps. He's so cringy and like pops up out of nowhere, hiding in a tunnel. Calm down, buddy. I did not like him. I'm glad that he's not in 
he's not really a huge part of the book let's be honest he is one of those like bigger side characters not a huge part of the book so yeah i don't know i didn't love him i also didn't love that bagra was trying to kill mal that was pretty savage didn't anticipate She's that coming. so hypocritical so hypocritical she tells how you feel about baggy i am not a baggy fan we'll get into it because it comes on later but like i'm not a baggy fan Poor Mal is just like, I'm just, I just want to talk to Alina. This is like the only time I would say probably poor Mal. He's like, I just want to talk to her. He has to deal with the Darkling and his, you know, Darklingness. And then you've got Bagger over here trying to kill him and he's trying to escape. It was, that was this was just showed, I don't know. I thought that Grisha were going to be a lot more cool and like powerful, but he fights a fabricator who literally like bends metal and still like whoops it. I don't know. I thought that was yeah. a little bit like unbelievable. I guess it shows like how well Mal is like combat trained, but I was anticipating more from the Grisha and they all felt to me just very like meh. And this was one of those yeah. scenes where it was equally as meh. It was also very interesting because again, this is, this is also something in the second book where, you know, he's in his little fight club and he's learning how to fight Grisha. Whereas now he's already kicking Grisha ass. So like, how is that going to translate? You know what I mean? And that'll be interesting to see kind of how that rolls over. While Mal is fighting for his life, Alina is living her best life with the Darkling. (laughs) We get this wonderfully spicy scene um, in the map room. It is so great. The cinematography in this is wonderful. It's like he walks up to her and she's standing there talking to him and she's kind of looking at the maps but if you look on the wall you see their shadows and they're like facing each other it was just like such a cool shot and then yeah they did a really good job with all the cinematography i think this room was cool everything that was shot in this like map room was done so well and yeah this is a beautiful scene we all love this oh so (laughs) i'm just so uncomfortable (laughs) about like thinking about bagra just getting behind a door waiting for her son to stop making out with some chick but oh such a such a great spicy scene and it was just uh it was so great I don't, I don't even I can't their even chemistry is, un, is out of this world their chemistry <laughs> is really so good is. and it's like I'm convinced that he's trying to do the best thing for her and that like he wants yeah. her in his life and you know he does things for his own reasons and I think as we go further on he sort of says it enough that we get it that he is just trying to make you know the world safe for the Grisha but he's doing it the wrong ways by yeah. you know murdering and pillaging and all that kind of stuff but I think he genuinely cares for her and you can see it. And I liked that because I felt like in the books, it was really hard. I think he was doing it for power in the books. And in this, yeah. you know, Ben Barnes does such a good job kind of portraying that emotion. I think he really did want to feel for her because he finally is allowed to feel that emotion and is allowed to, you know, fall in love with her because he knows that she's going to be around forever and he can manipulate yeah. her in whatever he want, way he wants. But of course, Bagger comes in, tells her the truth. And she's like, redemption arc, never heard of him and heads on out the door. <laughs> Just again, like have a conversation, be an adult. Also, I mean, like you were saying, you talk about, you know, him really, you feel like he's really likes her and, and wants to be with her. You know, he comes back and gives her a kiss. And I was just like, oh, just uh, my dark Lena heart was just so happy in that moment. And then Baggy had to freaking ruin it. Bagger comes in and is like, yeah, he's had many names and he's served many kings and he reinvented himself under a noble name and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. Wonder whose idea that was, Baggy. Sounds very familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. She is so weird. She's such a weird character in this one because I feel like she hates the Darkling, but she's also like protecting him. And you see that kind of in episode seven. So I guess we haven't quite gotten there yet as, her, as far as her character goes. But she's a little more hands-off in this one than she was in the book. I'm less convinced that she doesn't care about him. 
in the book, I think she truly is like a bitter old woman who tried her best to like save her son and wanted to redeem him. And this one, I feel like she's just, she is a little bit like hypocritical in the way that she does things. And she's looking a lot out for like her own survival. She's out to take him down. Man. Yeah. And it's... That was a lot. That was weird. Cause that's not really who like, she is. Darling, you created this monster. We get into the epic scene in the church with Kaz oh. fighting the Inferne. And he says, <laughs> you look like a spider that only has one leg. And then Paz says, the difference between you and me is that I only need one leg. It looks like you yeah. need two hands. Whop! And just his like, hand. bring in the barrel to Osalta, man. It was really the first time that you get to see Kaz being Kaz. Full on, ruthless. Dirty hands. Ooh, okay. And then Inej, she has to kill the Inferni because he tries to kill Kaz. And oh, I, my heart broke for her in this moment. I think, I think the backstory of these guys is kind of building up her and Jesper and Kaz and kind of how they became the most notorious bastards of the barrel. And, you know, how she goes from being this religious, like philosophical person to being the ultimate wraith. So yeah, I didn't, I don't know. I felt so bad for her because I felt like Kaz wasn't emotional enough for like who she needed. And she was like, I killed somebody. And he's like, yeah, but you saved my life, which I did really like that. He said that to her and, and like recognize that, but that was a really emotional scene. It was hard to watch her transition as a character go into that. And then Kaz just kind of like, we gotta go, you know? Yeah, I, that was such a heartbreaking scene because it's really the first time she's killed. It was very heartbreaking to yeah. see. Then of course, Alina's running through the, the tunnels, Bagra's being Bagra and yeah, she's mocking him. This, I would have to say, is one of my favorite moments for him because he's like, if you have hurt her, the line could have been so many different things. It could have been, what did you tell her? What did you say? You know, where did she go? What's, and the only thing that he says is, if you hurt her, you don't want to know what I'm going to do. It was this moment of, okay, I don't care if she hates me. I don't care if she knows the truth, but like, I want her to be safe. That's at least how I took it. Yeah. I think his ultimate plan was, you know, she's going to live forever and we're going to live together. So no matter what happens, she's going to eventually have to forgive me. And I think that that's why he kind of asked those questions. And he says it a few times, like, where's my son summoner and that kind of stuff. So I think his ultimate plan was always for them to be together in some way. Oh yeah. I liked that. And then of course, poor Jasper standing out there hanging out and Kaz and Inej are like, we got to go. We just like abandoned ship moving on. Here we go. And Jasper's like, well, actually side note, she jumped in the back and we stole Alina and let's move. So I thought that was so good. That was the ultimate, you know, plan a thousand different things to go right. And everything goes wrong. And then the one thing that does go right is what you wanted to happen. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny because it's just BT dubs. We accidentally kidnapped the sun summoner. She's in the back. Don't worry. PPS. (laughs) Yeah. It was just so great. That was a great way to end that episode. And then we start into episode really six. And this is my favorite scene of these probably four episodes is where we finally get to see the Darklings like true power. And he's interviewing the conductor and you see the conductor is this like quirky kind of guy who's really shy and quiet. And as it turns out, he's not, he's savage and he's been sneaking people out of the palace and he's been working he's with an assassin. Yeah. He's an assassin, he's an assassin. Been working with the general and all that kind of stuff. And then he turns on him and says, pay me half and I'll kill the general for you. You know, like he's ruthless and totally out for himself. And I like when the darkling is like, I don't need you. I already found out every, all the answers that I needed. And then shadows. That was so good. And then the next part we kind of get to is the ultimate mashup of the crows with Alina. Her little pack that she had was full of very handy things, which felt weird to me. I was not convinced that I had. Yeah. Here's, here's a magnifying glass and scissors. Who carries a magnifying glass and scissors? Like I don't, but if I was like fleeing for my life, I wasn't grabbing a, a satchel full of magnifying glass and scissors. Nope. 
but I like this part. It was so good. And, you know, she shines a light on them and, and I was just like, no, we're friends. I believe in you. And, and like her eyes, oh, that was such a good part. I loved that so much. And kind of running through the forest or whatever. She runs into someone and runs through the forest and the darkling catches up with them. She's like, so Mal, Mal. I was like, shut up. Yes, it's Mal. Shut up. People are trying to kill you. Shh, lady, shh. And then flash forward to the Titanic. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> There's room on the door, Jack. There's room on the door. Yeah, there was definitely room on the door this time. That was such a fun moment. With not a fun moment, it was it was intense, but it was like such a, a telling moment of like yeah, who they were, much, characters. Yeah, how much they don't like each other. And I loved how he's like, okay, I'll swim us to shore, and you can, I'll just swim us to shore. <laughs> like he doesn't want to admit that he's one thankful and two willing to allow Agrisha to help him to survive oh so good and they get on the shore and she's like speaking Fjordan and he's like how did you learn to speak Fjordan like a native it's just like this sassy moment she just stands up I speak six languages so perfect Nina I she Danielle did so what I mean both of them Danielle and Callahan did just it was so great their, yeah, their chemistry, chemistry oh I, I'm a Helmick stan 1000%. It was so good. They're kind of continuing to fight. You know, both of them are really fighting against liking the other because of they're literally mortal enemies. You can really see the struggle they both have with having to depend on each other to survive. Yeah, this is the perfect enemies to lovers kind oh, of quarrel. Perfect. And this is the perfect like enemies to lovers development. I think they did. Lee Bardugo wrote this really well. Lee Bardugo wrote them as the original like enemies to lovers. If I like that their lines were exact to the book. You know, their interaction inside the whaling hut. Those are exactly the lines from the book. And that's so good because those are so well-written and I think they're funny and they don't feel like forced or poorly written for their characters. So I, that whole interaction was really funny. I just like when Nina points out Fjord and men have nothing different than regular men. And it's just so... They cast him so well. I was prepared to simp over the Darkling and Ben Barnes and then Netflix knocks me upside the head with Tyus and I was on the floor like, I don't, I can't handle this. (laughs) He was exactly like I thought he was going to be in the book and the little accent and his mannerisms and the way he acted, their, their whole thing was good. So this is kind of where I would say, this is where you really figure out who Matthias and Nina are in the story or yeah understand a little bit more of their backstory. I still feel like if you haven't read Six of Crows, they feel kind of irrelevant. Yeah, no idea who they are. Yeah, I'd like that the Darkling finally brought back the mention of her and said, hey, we need to like look for her and that will tie in later on. But I still feel like there could have been a little bit more of the Darkling talking about her or other people talking about her. I don't know. It still just felt a little ungenuine to bring the two of them in. I understand why, because we've read the books, but that was the one thing that I didn't understand about that. They should have had more backstory I guess or info about why they were in it you know yeah I mean I yes and no I really wish they would have brought more the darkling talking more about Nina because he only mentions her twice so yes I wish they would have elaborated maybe more on that or she just like um, showed up prior to being captured yeah and all or at that, least like, having, like a meeting with the darkling before she right. like in the first episode if she had like a meeting with the darkling and it just shows her in a meeting and then she goes and does her thing that would have made a lot of sense but and that would have like a letter from the darkling i don't know i just feel like there could have been one or two more interactions that said oh yeah this is why they brought them together i wish they would have done that there would have been one or two more interactions with the darkling or with the grisha that would have made more sense as to why they were part of the show but they were perfect i mean they did so well well, Nina is living out her dreams in the whaler hut. We go back to Asalta to the little palace and Zoya is not about Alina 
at all. This scene, I was like, okay. Like, okay. They kind of hint at it in the book that they have a sort of relationship, but for her to full on say it, I thought that was like, I don't know. That was kind of cringy. I was like, jealousy doesn't look good on you, Zoya. Just PBS. Not cute, honey. Not But that cute. was a cool scene. I think they did that well. You know, when he rejects her and she's just like, with the wind. I was like, that really just, that's so true to her character. And, and that kind of set it up for her feeling that ultimate betrayal in the last episode. So yeah, I was like, mm, mm, not a fan. I don't like Zoya. I like Zoya. I'm a Zoya fan, but yeah, I, I thought the actress who played her did really well. I thought she was portrayed really well. Um, that scene was very, it was intense, you know, cause it's that moment of him like making that decision. He's like, no, I want, I want my son summoner. I want Alina. That's who I want. And it was so just like, oh, you know, she says we were afraid of you or whatever, or someone was afraid of you. And he's like, yeah, because they knew I was more important than any of them. And I was like, dang, Ben's so mean. And he says the same thing about yep. Alina. like, he knew that she was more important than any of you. Oh, and Zoya's like so hurt. I was like, dang, yep. Ben's mean. That was brutal. But that's when the Darkling gets up and leaves and they go and start searching for Elena. They're searching for the crows because they know who, they, they figured out who it was. And this interaction with Kaz and, and Inej made me sad. It was so... It was really, really the first moment that you really saw Kaz kind of not break character, but break a little bit, like, you know, kind of open up a little bit because, you know, he unintentionally confesses to Inej that he put the crow club down as collateral for her. He's starting to not breaking under the pressure, but he's starting to feel the pressure of the situation and that he's going to lose everything. They fail. It was a great scene. And Inej is like, what? Why? Why? You know? This one was good because this would have been the timeline that they were kind of in, you know, her debt with Menagerie hadn't been paid off yet and they were still kind of establishing their reputation. And so I thought this was a good one because it finally showed how her and Kaz feel about each other. And I I don't know. I just like the dynamic of that scene and how Jesper comes in and is like, um, yeah, sorry to break this up, but we've got a problem. And, you know, they go outside and the creature here and the Darkling and the Inferni that Inej killed, his sister is there and wants to kill Inej. And I loved these scenes so much because it was like Kaz and the Darkling, Jesper and Heartrenderer, and Inej and the Inferni. And it was so good. I loved that. It was like the perfect pairing of them individually and like their skills as fighters. And Jesper, I, I really thought they were going to say what he was, but they didn't. And I really liked that. And I liked how, you know, he shoots him in the same spot every single time. And the guy's like, that's not going to work. And it does. And it was just like, that's so class. That is so Jesper, like to be that smart on top of also being, you know, maybe we won't spoil it, but like on top of being what he he is. is. Yeah. It was good. Cause it just shows how like clever and funny he is. And he's not just all like good looks and charm. He's also quite the fighter and quite the sharpshooter. You can chat about the Inej scene. Oh, the Inej scene is, it's between the Inej scene and the Darkling and the Kaz scene. That's like my two favorites of these. I would say the Inej scene is so, it's also heartbreaking for Inej because she's getting her butt kicked and you know she doesn't want to hurt this inferni she doesn't want to kill her she doesn't want to do any of that but then she ends up stabs her right and she's like you're gonna want to wait to pull this out until a healer gets here because you'll bleed out and then the inferni's like i will hunt you down and kill everyone you love and know and then i'll kill you and she's like in that case i'll take my knife back and she just pulls her knife out and kills her and i was like that was so good ruthless but it's also like it's the start of it getting easier for her to kill obviously she was fighting for her life she would have died it's that progression of her fully integrating into that wraith persona 
Yeah. And, and I, yeah. this is another one of those instances. I know that she's a really good fighter, but this is another one of those instances where the humans were just beating the Grisha and she's injured and still like killing it with this girl. So I don't know. There was a couple of parts where I felt like the Grisha could have been a little bit more powerful for the fact that they do combat training and stuff like that every day. And I know that they're portraying that the crows are obviously superior in every way, even though they're not Grisha, but I just, I was like, a little bit unconvinced you yeah. know she walks away hurt and then we get to the scene in the alley with Kaz oh. and the Darkling but this was so good it was like tension between the two this was a really great way to portray the like two essentially main guys that aren't in love with Lena not Mal but like the Darkling and Kaz like the two main guys and Kaz is so it's clever like the two morally gray characters yeah. of both stories just kind of come battle royale it was such a just so good in his face when Kaz gets away the genuine surprise is amazing and that was so well done and whoever crafted that scene is deserves an Emmy that was so good it was so fun to watch you knew Kaz was going to do something but you weren't quite sure what it was and you knew the Darkling was going to do the cut and you feel it coming and he gets out of there and obviously they're not going to kill Kaz off but still I was shocked it was still a surprising scene and it was so well done and I loved that it was so great. Oh. You see the cut coming and, you know, Kaz has got his little smoke bomb thing. And you're like, what is he going to throw it at? Like, what yeah. is going to happen here? And he just dips out. It was so good. Audibly yeah. gasped yeah. when it happened. And I was like, this is just it was so good. And they end up, need you know. adjective. <laughs> yeah. It's it so it's, good. Because that's what just we did. The best. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, they go on and, um end up actually stealing the Darkling's carriage. And poor baby David, it makes me, he is too pure for this world. He just throws the book at Jesper and like falls out the other side of the carriage and then gets knocked out. And then the Darkling's like, what happened? You know, and he's like, they they took the carriage. And then he raises his hand and he's like, you don't have to raise your hand. And I was like, David, you're just too pure for this world. I love you. This was one of the good human moments of the Darkling too, because- David raises his hand and then the Darkling's like, you don't have to, okay, yeah, I understand. You're a little different. You know, like he was so nice about it. And he's like, this is why we have a use for you and that kind of stuff. So I really liked that, that they added those like cute little human moments in there and how important it was to kind of show that and the emotion that Ben had and how he really does like care about his Grisha. And then we kind of go to this part where Mal and Alina have the chat about finding the mythical stag. And I've said this before, but I just feel like, the conversations about the amplifiers weren't big enough. If I didn't know what was going on, I would be confused. She had one conversation with the apparat. Then you see a picture of the stag that the Darkling has quested everyone to hunt and Mal finds it and that's it. But if you didn't know what was going on, I would be confused. Like, okay, obviously this is maybe what he mentioned earlier, but there was never a conversation like she should go after the stag, which she did have in the books. And I felt like that was where she felt the ultimate betrayal because he had said, I want to hunt this with you. And she was like, oh, he wants to hunt it with me. Oh my gosh. But in the show, they don't have that conversation. So that felt a little odd to me. Her telling Mal, like, we're going to go after the stag. That just felt weird. And I mean, we hate what happens to the stag. So I wish oh. she just didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Sorry. It was rough. But even that whole interaction of them walking through the forest, and I thought they were kind of, Mal was just, they have completely rewritten his character, like 5,000%. And it's just like, I get it. Because I'm living for it. Book Mal is so cringy. I'm still not a Melina stan, but it's so crazy because he's just like, I see you now. And I'm like, yeah, apparently had to freaking light the way for you. It was so random. And then- <laughs> She's like, Alexander said this and da-da-da-da-da. And he's like, who's Alexander? She's like, 
General Kirigan. And she's like, I made some stupid mistakes at all. So he's like, you don't have to explain to me. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, that was cringy. Was, like, no man is ever going to be like, you don't have to explain anything to me. Mm, I was like, do we not? I think we need but, to. I mean, there were some real steamy moments there, son. Like, you might want to reconsider. Mal is super PG in this show. Compared to the books, way dialed down. And I think that's probably because she's trying to make him not as cringy. Well, and I think they're really trying to like lean into the Melina aspect of it. And so I think that did it. But it was that scene felt the least genuine of their entire relationship. It was so uncomfortable. And he's just like, I'm so happy to have you back. And that's all that he wanted. And it's like, no, you're talking about the future. Like, what are we doing here? Are we going to destroy the fold? Are we going to go through the fold and run away? Like, what's the plan? And I don't feel like those words were said. That conversation wasn't had. It was like, I forgive you for anything you did in the last like three months. Even not write me back. Ouch. Let's go after the deer. You know? I don't know. It was, yeah. just, I didn't it like was that pretty scene. cringy. And then episode like, seven. Uh, episode Kirsten's seven. favorite episode. It is not. I mean, I like <laughs> it because we get backstory for the Darkling. But it, oh, it is. Oh, it's, it's a brutal episode on so many levels. You obviously get some of the backstory for the Darkling. And it's so sad. It's this is what we wanted to see, though. I'm glad that it yeah. was this. I'm glad that we got the actual backstory of the Fold instead of the Demon in the Woods from Ruin and Rising. Because I still don't know how the Fold was created in the book. So I liked that they kind of explained that in here and like created that backstory. I liked that they made him a little more human and showed him that he could love someone and have that person with him. And I really liked that. They, you know, brought her in. It was so tragic that she dies. And it shows that he continuously kind of wants to work for the Risha when he says, I'll go to the King. I'll sacrifice myself. I want to have this conversation with him. I want to give him a message, but just like, don't kill her. And then they kill her. And he's like, huzzah, hazam, fruit ninja. I mean, he's like, it was intense. I mean, he just snaps the stick. He's like, angry hook moment. It was brutal. And then he goes to their little hideout and he's trying to figure it out. And here's Bagra. This is the worst portrayal of her character. I think this I was, truly shows like who she is as a character. Yeah. And it was crap. Yeah, Tell us how was, you feel. Oh God. Literally the whole time she's like, hide, run away, take up a name of a nobleman and come back and serve a different king. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. And isn't that, isn't that what you accused him of doing? Exactly what you told him to do? And then she's like, don't use the magic. He wants to use magic. What Moritz overused to create the amplifiers, he wanted to use that to create an army to protect the Grisha. And so he's like reading through his journals and says the little chant gets all weird and veiny. This was what confused me though. She says to him, you turned everyone against us. Like you turned everyone against the Grisha. So I would have liked them to do a little bit more of a backstory. Like what caused this to happen in the first place what caused them to come like seeking the darkling because they didn't really explain that and we still only get when alina's like telling the history we still only get the part where she's like you know he worked for the king and then you know grew too powerful and created the fold or whatever so they don't really explain like why they're hunting the grisha in the first place i would have liked that i would have liked the backstory to start there then go forward to what was happening because it wouldn't make more sense where he was like we've tried other options before and that's why i have to go to the dark side all an all Sith Jedi warrior yeah. here now. Oh, Kylo Ren on us here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm it okay felt like. That, it was so but... uncomfortable. And I wish there was like, I don't know, half a day or like more than 22 seconds before the soldiers showed up because it didn't really make a lot of sense that he was like, I don't know, what should I do? Run away, tap into the dark side, run away, tap into the dark side. Mm, 
tapping into their rushed. chest. Like, yeah, it was he like- was rushed into his decision. And it was very sad. When you see him, he makes that decision and he goes out there and he doesn't make that decision knowing that he's going to create the fold. He does it to, again, protect the Grisha. Like, and this feels I like feel like- Redemption arc material. Oh, love it. I'm here for it. This episode is very interesting. And Ben played this scene, this part, just so, I mean, the whole season perfectly. But So he goes out there, he's trying to create whatever they're called, like his little army. And then it goes bad. And you can tell on the expression on his face, he's like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know what I did. And he accidentally creates the fold while he's trying to, you know, create his own army. I like that they portrayed that he was trying to create an army and not the fold and that it was an accident because this feels very redemption archy. Like they could say, you know, he did it on accident. He wasn't trying to do this. This was the Prince Caspian we all wanted to see. Just kidding. I wish they would have left his hair long the whole season. Um, These are just notes for season two, guys. Notes for season two. (laughs) Things to consider. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy when they turn into Volker. Like you can kind of see the people turning. The animation was good. It was really good. good. But you see this moment of before he creates the fold, he's doing it to to help the Grisha. He's doing it to create an army. And then he's like running away after he's created it, like into the forest with Bagra, like carrying his mom over his shoulder, you know, and. And then he sets her down and she looks up and she's like, what did you do? And he's like, I created something. And I was like, okay, that's the moment where it changed to power instead of protection. Like I said, Ben played that so perfectly of just that change in dynamic and his, granted, he is still doing everything he can to like make the world better for Grisha, but it's, it's turning more into a power dynamic. Like how can he be the one to control the Grisha and yeah them yeah exactly I like this next scene this was probably one of my favorite interactions of the entire series is Inej and Jesper talking and Inej is like I can never go back I'm never going back to the menagerie and she's like I have to stitch myself up and you can tell that Kaz wants to help her but he physically like can't touch her and Jesper's like bleh, bleh, and, bleh. <laughs> and he was so funny and I, I'm just dying and then he's like how did you learn to do that and she's like oh I had to do this all the time at the menagerie and he's like oh that's brutal. His comedic relief was priceless. And, you know, I, I loved his support for her. He said it a few times throughout these last couple of episodes, but he really said, you know, like, if you need to run away, you can run away without saying you can run away, but it just shows their friendship is too wholesome for this entire world. And I just love them to the ends of the earth. And they're like, amazing. Oh, their friendship is just so pure and wholesome. And he really, when he's with an edge is, you know, obviously he's like the fun quirky, but he knows when to turn it off and to be there for her and what to say and how to say it it's really nice to see that friendship between Inej and Jesper it's so it's just beautiful it's so well played out too and it doesn't feel forced and I I love their dynamic and the way that they respond to each other and and it's nice because you I don't know if you know that they that Inej and Kaz like each other but you know that Jesper and Kaz and Inej have such like a pure group as a friendship and it doesn't make it awkward that Kaz and Inej have a thing for each other and Jesper doesn't make it weird that, you know, he is so protective of an edge. And I really liked that. And they display that really well in the books and they really brought it to life on screen. And then we go back to the forest where Mal and Alina are like, womp, 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 found the deer. And so I annoying. remember seeing when it first came out the trailer and I thought the scene was going to be so epic. I said it when we did our review of Shadow and Bone that I thought the scene was going to be so epic and it wasn't. And it was even less epic in this. You know, he kisses her and then they see the deer and then General Kurigan shows up. But in this one, he doesn't kiss her, which we wanted. We do have a theory for that one. We have a theory that we're going to find out what he is. It's the first time they kiss, which I guess that's probably why they're making him so 
saint-like when it comes to the ladies. Yeah. I wanted this to be more it than it so was. Cringy. It just was sort of like we stumbled into the woods and, you know, he makes that comment again, like, I'll line up the shot and you shoot. And I was like, ew, stop. And it was really epic, you know, when she like touches the deer and then he gets shot. And that was kind of how it happened in the book. It's a really quick part, but I didn't like how this scene went down, how Mal gets shot in the back. Brutal. Kerrigan oh, shows was... up all Voldemort in the first movie style. <laughs> like, Very... you know, unicorn. I don't know. I was like, ew. <laughs> this little cape. <laughs> I don't know. That's how it felt. That's how it felt to me. I felt like it was like Voldemort just like popping up out of here. Yep. But her powers are really cool and she uses them and, you know, she makes a bad choice. Obviously, it doesn't kill the stag. And <laughs> is brutal. I was like, things are about to get real dark real fast just so bad and it was just like oh no mal gets shot and this this happened and i was like i was in shock he uses <laughs> the cut and literally cuts the stag's head off brutal he's just like yeah well and like the antlers that come brutal. In, i don't know i understand the point of it it's like you have to take their i would what i would say is essentially their essence but the antler like, can't we just like saw a little bit off this guy? Like let Alina touch it. We could have just like sawed off a piece of it and let him live. You know, I don't understand it. Same with the sea dragon. Couldn't just like plucked a couple scales and like moved on. I don't get why we have to like kill it off. I don't think he would have minded if she just would have like, not, not, not take a little, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like just, I'll just take one. Thanks. I don't know. Even in the, <laughs> even in the books, that bother me. it's like, why do we have to kill the animal to take their yeah. essence? Especially when the stag is like clearly chosen her has like walked up to her is allowing her yeah. close to him is having that telepathic animal. I don't know. It's having like a chat with her essentially. I don't get that. They made her have a connection with the stag and then it dies. I didn't like that. And then they decapitated was- it. It was brutal. That yeah, was awful. And then an even worse part. Uh, like okay in the book she's they talk about a collar basically like a necklace yeah but it's fabricator made so it never comes off and i was so excited to see them bring that to life and until it happened we were not okay i'm still not okay fuse this thing to her collarbone like literally it is a collar bone not okay. I'm again gagging. I was like, this is the not where he put a piece of it in the darkling's hand made more sense because I understand what they were saying. You know, like you kill him then you get his essence. And if you put it, you know, on the person then he can control it, but it still didn't make a ton of sense. So I did like that. They put like a small piece in his hand, which was a terrible place to put. pick a different place. But like, I didn't love that, but it made Very more cringy. sense. And I like that David's like, in theory. And I'm like, oh gosh, you just like, no, it's not going to go well. Like, it's so funny. It, it goes just fine. But it was hilarious. I died when he said that. That was just so, <laughs> was so funny. And then we start flashback to the crows. And this is the second half of my favorite part of the whole series. You know, Anej and, and Kaz have this conversation and she's leaving and he's like, you're going to leave without saying goodbye, basically. And, you know, she's like, I have to leave. I just can't go back. And he's like, she's real. The Sun Summoner's real. And then he's like, but she's not a saint. And, you know, that was so good because he's like really quick to tell Inej, I don't believe in what you believe. And she's not a saint. I'm just saying she's like a Grisha that can summon the light. And she goes, then what do you believe in? And he's like, me. She gets so upset. And I was like, oh, Inej. And he's like, you. Oh, yeah. And then Jesper. Oh, even better. I like that they finally explained what the crows were. In Six of Crows, it's not like he chose the crow club because they were crows. But I do like that they did kind of a like a nod to crows as a creature. And, you know, that they remember what everyone looks like that was mean to them and everyone that was great to them and kind of brought the idea of the cane and all that stuff together. So I thought that was really cute. And I enjoyed that they finally, like, explained why they were the crows. 
Well, also in the show, the Crow Club is his. They show him as the boss, whereas in the books, he's actually not the leader or the boss. And so that was different here too. And I just kind of remembered that. And that whole scene was just so, oh, you know, I believe in you. And I'm just like, ah! His acting is good. And it's so true to how Kaz would have acted. I loved the dynamic. Love the crows. Love them. Love them. And so we go back to, this was great. I know you talked a lot about how you liked that Mal um, stood up for himself. He wasn't kind of a pushover, but I mean, the darkling claps back real hard. He like, Mal's like, yeah. kill me and she'll never forgive you. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to kill you because I have something that you don't. Time. You'll die. 80 years. She'll forgive me. It's fine. We have the rest of our lives. We have till the end of time. And I was just like, dang. And this is not wrong though. (laughs) Yeah. And this was a good time where he finally revealed kind of his feelings, his plots and what he was going to do. Like he finally revealed his hand and said, I'm just gonna wait until you die. And Alina's going to have to forgive me eventually. And then we're going to take over the world. Okay. Pinky calm down. Uh, but I did like when Mal was like, come at me, shadow man. And I was like, yeah, Mal, tell him. I don't know. Was, oh, I did like that. I liked that when they had those conversations, it wasn't like, you know, the Darkling brought the shadows in and was like intimidating Mal. I liked that it was them having a conversation and it really felt that you felt that lover's triangle. You felt the enemies to lovers. You felt the friends to lovers. It was like every trope we love to love slash hate all in one. It was good. I loved that. Was that was great. a really good dynamic. And then we kind of get to the scene in the tent with Genya and Lena and they argue. And in the book, this was heartbreaking. You and I both said this, like, this was such a heartbreaking scene. I hated this. I hated her finding that out. I felt like Lena, this was the only time that she felt like true friendship and realizing that Genya had betrayed her was so, it was really heartbreaking to like read. And there was a lot of emotion in that. And in this, I think because their friendship wasn't built up as much, I didn't feel it so much from them. But I liked that Genya is savage and she still says the same lines and is like, I tried to warn you. And I was a, a Grisha without a color. And that was really good. I'm glad that they stayed true to those, their lines. I, I really liked that. I liked that scene. I liked that they kept the, the lines kind of the same. And I think as we go further on, it will show who Genya is and, um, you know, how, what a role she's going to play later on. So I like that. And then, you know, we get to the crows trying to figure out how to cross the fold and they've kind of given up at this point. And I think they they're hilarious. Their outfits are so funny. The way that they <laughs> go about figuring out how to do everything is just so crafty and clever. And of course, Kaz has like all the answers and, you know, Jesper's just vain and Inej is just sad. This scene is just so funny when he puts on the Semini outfit and he's like, I'm never going to be this old. And then the guard tells him, oh, I thought you were older. I was like, oh. It's so perfect. It's so good. And then we get to the hero of Ravka hanging out with his BFF. Sant Milo. Yeah. Pearson's favorite character. Everyone's favorite I, character. I love Milo. I, this was so, I loved how they just incorporated him at random moments. It yeah. was just so perfect. He just like walking by the tent and here's Mal doing his tracker thing. And he's like, come here to the boat. I liked that, how they brought Milo in. Whoever, whoever wrote this as like, and made him such a big part of the show props props to them because it was so funny but they deserve a raise yeah they deserve they deserve an emmy a grammy uh, something an award but that scene was really clever i liked that mal like you know when he pops the uh manacles off or whatever and then just like falls back to sleep that was good that was really well crafted that was a good scene i liked that a lot and it's it sort of shows the mal that i love but how clever he is you know that he did something like that and then he just runs away i just love him i love mal (laughs) and then you know here we go 
we go back, it's daytime, they're about to head on the skiff, and the Darkling and Alina have this iconic conversation. This gave me chills. I love the scene. This was so beautiful. This Her whole scene. costume. The just. Hitlerbone. The Yes. Ben is like finally kind of saying, you know, this could have been you and me forever. And she's like, no, this could have been you and me forever. And then he's like, no, it could have been. And she's like, no, it couldn't have been. She's like, you could have made me your equal, but instead you made me this. And he just. It's just that moment you're just like, oh. And she has like deer antlers sticking out of her shoulder blades. Yeah, she's like pointing to it and she's like, but you made me this. And it's again, that kind of moment where you were talking about earlier in the books, he shares this plan with her that he's going to like give her this amplifier and find this amplifier for her. In the show, that's not, that's not a conversation that's had. And And I don't know if that makes him like a better villain or a worse villain because she doesn't really feel the betrayal in that way. She feels it more in that like he's kidnapped Mal and you know, he, Mm -hmm. he isn't who she she thought he was. He's a black heretic and she didn't know that. So yeah, this feels, I don't know. I don't want to say it, but it feels very redemption archy because it wasn't such a big betrayal, you know, and he finally reveals, I was trying to keep the Grisha safe. I can't serve a King that's using this evil thing, which is the fold um, for power that he can't control. At least I can quote unquote control it try to control it but um yeah and i i i feel it i feel it coming i hope so they say the show's gonna be way different than you're all welcome for all the singing (laughs) one thousand percent here for i'm one thousand percent on the uh darkling redemption boat i am the captain we're sailing this into the sunset man and so yeah but then of course comes his iconic lines and I would say the way he delivered this just like the glimmer of tears in his eyes him looking so crushed and he's just like fine make me your villain ah, I have like tears in my eyes died. now I like never I was cried. Just like that was ugh. so emotional right after that he walks out all angry and then the guy's like oh Mal escaped and he tells him to kill him and you're like "Ooh, Ben savage Ben's a savage and oh oh so good Benny Ben so was good. not messing around Oh, so just chef's kiss. But, I love it. So all that fun stuff happens. And so they get on the skiff and, and they're, you know, going into the fold and her Kefta, by the way, that gold Kefta, so gorgeous. Like they, we talked about this before. The costumes are just phenomenal in this show. And so um, that gold Kefta was just beautiful. And so they get on the skiff and of course comes the iconic six of crows line. Tatiana, take it away. And Jesper says, I want to be buried with an open casket. And Kaz says, no mourners. And then Inej says, no funerals. And I can't handle the fact that both of these lines were uttered within like three and a half minutes of each other. I was sobbing on my couch. I was like, why did it take seven episodes for no mourners, no funerals? But like, why is this the perfect time for it? And why did it take so long to say, make me your villain? But this is the, like, I'm like crying now. Like I have tears in my eyes. I never cry. It, It was, it was just, it it brings so many like emotions for it. And I couldn't love six of pros and crooked kingdom more. Like this is one of those books that will always be like a comfort read. I love the characters in it. And it, the show goes hand in hand with that. And they brought these to life so wonderfully. And it's so fun to like talk about this. And I don't know, it was just such a good line. It was, Oh, oh. and then they're on the skiff and you find out Mal's there and all these emissaries, all these like emissaries yeah. are on it. And you know, that something's going to happen. And he ties her to the, the boat and she was like, don't you think they're going to be worried that you have me tied to the boat? And he's like, no one's going to be looking at your feet. He takes her like cloak off and you see the like collarbone. Okay. All right. 
that's a line. They did such um, a good job ending these episodes. Like these mm-hmm. last few were just perfect ways to end them. And oh yeah. And then the start of the next one, like into the fold. The fold is terrifying. We said this in the first one, but the fold is terrifying. And whoever designed that was amazing. It felt like a shipyard and the markers and the Volcra and it was good. It was really good. I loved the animation and, and how they set up the scene. Yeah, it was great. I mean, they go into the fold and, you know, he's not allowing her to spread the light. She's trying to figure out what his plan is. At that moment, the crows go below deck and they're all hanging out. And I love... Yeah, when Jesper says, I don't think this is a good idea. And he's cleaning his guns and Kaz goes, I think we're not going to get off this boat without you getting a shot off. So I think it is a good idea. And he's like, I'm not talking about cleaning the guns. I'm talking about dying. <laughs> and he's then he so mentions good. Milo again. Oh man, so funny. Yeah. He's like, I, I miss Milo. And Inej is like, who's Milo? He's like, the goat. And then of course, Inej finds Mal. He's sitting there and then you see a knife and she's like, get up. It's funny because they make Mal seem like he's this like all knowing tracker who's like very aware of what's going on. And it just shows that they are inhuman, like the crows. Yeah, I love that. But sure. I like when Kaz is like, who are you? What are you here for? And Jeff's like, what are you? Who are you here for? And then he says, oh, I'm going to kill the general. And Kaz is like, give him his gun back. If he's not with them, he's with us. And I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Makes sense. That's fair. I like that. This is the ultimate mashup. Ugh. Yeah, it was so great. And we go to Zoya and it's just, this, this part was really great. It really showed her humanity, but it also is very heartbreaking. Every other Grisha on that skiff knows the plan and knows what's going on except for her and that also i think is a very clear indication that the darkling doesn't trust soya at all and she's steering the boat yep yeah that was uncomfortable and i think this is this part where it really makes zoya like human it makes her a bigger part of what's gonna happen later on i think people will like her more because of what happens next but then we go to our final scene with nina and matthias essentially and i this was like heartwarming. I like when they have the, you know, the chat and they're like, where do we go? We can't be each other. And, but we're just Nina and Matthias. And that was I so just cute. Love, I love We <laughs> We kind of skimmed over this earlier. We didn't talk about this earlier, but again, we were talking about, you know, their struggle with characters beliefs and their, the way they were brought up. And, you know, in the scene where Matthias saves Nina, that scene was, this was a couple episodes ago, but that scene was so perfect because you can see Callahan did so well. I mean, he just played Matthias so well. He's has a hold of her arms and she's like, please. And he, you can see in his face, like he's like internal debate. Yeah. He can't decide whether he wants to let her go or save her. And then he ends up saving her, but it was just, oh, and then and this we is get the perfect, to... like enemies to lovers too, right? Like they oh, were yeah. legit enemies and turned, you know, lovers through a sense of survival and, you know, like going through some life altering event. So yeah. I like they are the perfect example of enemies to lovers in a good way, because I think the Darkling and Alina are enemies to lovers, but he does betray her and in this yeah. one they don't. And I like that. I like that they're like so... pure so that's no. the perfect kind of enemies to lovers. They start to realize that each other is human and maybe what they were taught wasn't right, you know? And yeah. that's that's kind of how I feel. So Nina and Matthias in the room and talking about where can we go? And she, I love what they're talking about, Kurt. She's like, they have a festival every year where everyone runs around naked. And he's like, not Kurt. And it was just so great. And she's like, where can we be where we're not Grisha and we're not Driscella, we're just people that love each other and I was like (laughs) I'm not okay right now and so they go and they're about to kiss and then her stomach growls and I was like also very relatable yep 
I don't like when they ate the waffles though. They just eat like plain waffles. It was like, okay, first of all, if this is like fake Ketterdam, they would be eating stroop waffles, which is like a cookie. And it's like melted caramel in the middle, not like plain Belgian waffles with nothing on them either. Or the Belgians don't eat waffles plain. Like gross. (laughs) Yeah. I ruined it for me. That was a good scene though, too. Cause it also kind of showed like, she's like walking around looking for a table and then she finds him and she's like, come on. And he's like staring at a wolf head on the wall. And I was like, Oh, that's so sad. You know, and they walk down there and they're having their waffles. And this scene was hard. I mean, it was, it was so sad because it's like Nina still made that decision. She had to make that decision to save his life. And then at the same time, she ostracized herself from everything she knew from the little palace, from the Grisha, everything. And it was just for Matthias. Granted, you know, it didn't end up the way she wanted it to, but it was heartbreaking because she had to make that decision. It was very sad. Yeah, she did a good job with it too. And I was surprised at how that turned out. And this was another one where the Grisha weren't as powerful as you wanted them to be. I just thought that it was going to end up cooler than that. She did such a good job, like portraying that emotion and making that decision. And this to me in the book was very confusing. I didn't understand how he ended up being accused of being a slaver. I guess I didn't read that well enough, but in the show, how they described it, it's different than the book. I do remember that. And I liked it better because it really shows Matthias passed out instead of just like off afar where she accuses him of being a slaver. And that was a desperate situation where as in the book, it didn't feel that desperate. She could have just walked away or she could have run away with Matthias. And then this, she had no choice. So I liked that. And then we go back into the fold and this is so well done. I like when they're passing through the fold and you can see the kind of ruins of the building that he was in originally when he made the fold and she makes that big tunnel and this is the thing that irked me. He extends the fold and kills the general and all that kind of stuff and turns to Alina and says, they were trying to kill you. Didn't you know? And she's like, how would I have known? Nobody's going to know. And so it's like, this is one of the- <laughs> sorry, I just like had to, I just, this was one of those moments where it's like, okay, communication would have been great. If you had just told her that she would have told you like, don't expand the fold. Obviously we don't want to kill people, but again, wouldn't have been as betrayed. If you had just said, they are trying to kill you. I am going to use this as a weapon. Yeah. And she just continues to be in the dark and like ignorant of things. And I don't know. I just, it's also one of those things like also again, when you go back to, you know, the last episode when they're in their tent and talking and she's like, you, we, you could have made me your equal. I feel like he was going to tell her, like he was telling her, he was telling her his plans. He was telling her what he wanted to happen and what he had planned and why he did what he did. And then she was like, you made me into this. And he's like, okay, make me your villain. That's fine. I'll be your villain. It was a great, switch I like his speech to the emissaries where he says take this back to your home country and realize that like Ravka is all powerful that was good and then Mal comes up like a big old idiot and it's just like I'm gonna get ya and I was like did you not think that this was gonna maybe not think that through go well that was silly bad choice Mal Mal's dumb he was so stupid in the scene yeah (laughs) it was very chaotic yeah, that worked out real well, didn't it? Did you Mal? not see that like coming? This is my question. Like, thought you were just gonna like walk on deck and none of the Grisha were gonna stop you. This guy's got like yeah. shadow summoning powers on top of he has like three heart renders on board. Mal's just like da 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 da. And then of course Alina's just like, oh my gosh, the light shrinks and you can hear the Volcra. And she kind of annoyed me in this ten minute span where she's just like on the deck of the boat, like. I'm like, you're really annoying right now. That's so fair. I felt the same way. 
there was just so much like unnecessary screeching. But I like when Inej is fighting the Heartrender and Zoya finally decides to like go the other way. Yeah. But I didn't like that they knocked Jesper out in like 22 seconds. I was like, what was the point of that? I don't know. I like that Inej, this is another one where it shows that she's kind of inhuman and she's fighting the Heartrender and, you know, Zoya turns and helps her. And this is when Zoya decides that she is going to pick the other side. She's moved yeah. to team Elena. And yeah. Inej is throwing knives, this and that and the other. And Inej throws the knife at the Darkling. That felt very Arya in Game of Thrones. Yes. And the Night King, I was like, okay, let's get a little more original here. I love the scene where she was like fighting the Volcra. And, it- and then here comes Kaz like with his cane and he beats the evil living out of this freaking Volcra. And I'm like screaming at my TV this whole time. I like that the together. deer kind of came on board. I thought that was funny, but it yeah. was just like kind of cringy. It was a little random. Oh, it was good when she like stabs his hand. Whoopow! I was like, oh, get out of Benny Ben. And then they off yeah. the side. But this part is weird. So if you like watch it, he's like, How can you take control of the stag? And she the stag chose me. And then the antlers like go back into her body. Uh, uh. That was so okay. uncomfortable. But I'm also confused as to how they're gonna play that as it goes on because that was one of the plot points of the second one that she always had to kind of hide her collar. So I'm interested to see how they play that out in the yeah. second one because now you can't see her collar see it yeah I'm confused question mark my question is that's how she gets discovered in the second one like one of the guards finds her because of a yeah. collar so I'm interested to see yeah. how they're going to play that in the second and how they figure it out because she's not like super recognizable she's just like half shoe and has long brown hair so I don't I don't love that but I didn't like the fight scene in the sand I will not lie yep that was that was pretty pretty epic this whole fight scene goes on he's like I'm not going to kill you. Your creation's going to kill you. And that Volcro was, dead. that was intense. I didn't like when we get back on and like Ivan, you know, does his all heart render stuff and kind of knocks her out and all that. And then Mal picks her up and she's like, huzzah. I was like, mm, I don't know about this. I'm, I'm not that convinced that you would have enough power to like get everybody out. I don't know. She's just so powerful in some moments and so not powerful in others. But I didn't like that. That's all I have to say. No, but they make it. They all get out. And then Inej goes all, I am become Blade for Alina. Alina gives her a knife and she's like, I know exactly what to name it. And I was like, I liked that one. I didn't, yeah. I don't like when she burns the Kefta and like they change clothes or whatever. I was like, oh, what a bummer. I hated that. But I like when she gives her the jewels and she knows that Kaz is, is clever and crafty and that, you know, gives him the jewels and says, this is to keep you quiet, not, not as like a peace offering. This is because I know that you're going to sell me out. And he says it. A deal is the deal. Yep. I was sad when she burned the kefta, though. I was like, it's so pretty. And then Zoya goes back into the fold, which is so sad. Heartbreaking. And again, very humanizing for Zoya. But this was a good setup for what the second season would be about, where she says, you have to go and be powerful because they're going to turn on us again. And those sort of like wise words of wisdom come from Zoya. But yeah, that was really sad. I wasn't anticipating her going back in to like check out the fold. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that either. Then we end up on the boat. Everybody's sailing off into the sunset. Five of the six girls are all in one place. And we have like the last heartbreaking scene between Nina and Matthias that Kirsten cried over. I did. It was so, again, my Helmick Stan heart was breaking. They just did so well. And it was so beautiful. You could just see the anger in Matthias's face. And 
Nina, when she's like, no, we'll go there and we have a trial and I'll just tell them that like, you're not a slaver. And, and the guy was like, uh, he's not going to have a trial for probably a while. He's going straight to Hellgate. And she's like, you can just see the shock that registers on her face and this, the heartbreak so sad. And she's like begging him. She's like, please forgive me. Like I did this to save you. And he's just like not having it. And I cannot wait to see their relationship continue grow i know there's probably not going to be any kind of nina and matthias scenes moving forward at least until a couple of seasons but i just i i love their story and i love how they portrayed it in the show i'm glad we got the backstory too that was my one criticism for six of crows it's like it felt like a really long time to kind of understand what happened between the two of them and why he was so angry at her so i'm glad that we got this early on so that when we do come to the story of the crows we will have a better idea of each single crow and i it was so cool to see them all kind of right off into the sunset, you know, five of the crows are on the ship and Mal and Alina. And that was a perfect way to kind of end this portion of the season and Kaz being schemy and Jesper, you know, being clever and funny and Inej saying she is a saint and looking at Kaz saying that she is a saint. And that was, Oh, that was such a cute moment. I loved that. And you know, them saying we need a heart render and Nina's like, Hey, and that's going to be it. And it was just like the perfect transition into the building of that relationship. And also Jesper had to get another Milo reference in <laughs> and I just loved it. It was so good. And like them going off into the sunset, it was this peaceful, quiet moment of them. We're not sure what the future brings, but it's okay. And, and then the next moment it's the darkling crawling out of the freaking fold and he's all tore up. And then he just says, follow. It was insane. It was so good. It was such he the perfect is way the shadow to end man. It. Yeah. He, he was very charismatic. <laughs> That's how I felt. Like while I was watching this end scene, I was like, <laughs> that like audio where it's like, you're telling me this all happened because you're messing with the shadow man. And I was like, that is so true. <laughs> he is like the shadow man. And oh man, cinematic masterpiece ending that. It was good. It was too it good. Was perfect. It was the perfect way to end it. And I love how he just, basically drug himself out of the fold and result finally creates his army i can't remember and they were terrifying it was so good it's so i loved it i we need season two now yeah i don't know if i'm gonna make it a whole like 18 months before they do the next one. Ugh, so good but you know what's even better about season two we get to meet nikolai i cannot wait to see who they cast for nikolai i hope they already have that in mind i just cannot wait it's gonna be too good i oof I've wanted it to be them like riding off on a boat in the sunset and Nikolai be on the boat, but that didn't happen. I wanted Nikolai to be in this season. Didn't happen, but I'm ready. I'm so ready for the next one. What are your kind of, I guess we could wrap it up with what are your final predictions thoughts on the show? Uh, my final thoughts. I loved it. I mean, I really did. I thought it kept well with the theme of the books and it honored the books you know it it was a great nod to the books and it wasn't too far off but there were also some things that they changed that I think were good changes things that were that will I I hope to see in the rest of the seasons that will um fold out in a good way so still fingers crossed for that darkling redemption arc but I really liked it I mean I thought I loved the stories I loved the casting I loved the costumes just it was just so it was so well done and I we've watched it multiple times each time I'm just like on the floor crying at the end and it's just it's okay my dark Lena heart is is just you know thriving but it's it's a good time so I I thoroughly enjoy it and I think this is also a show that if you haven't read the books you don't have to read the books and you can still enjoy it 
this was really well made. The casting was absolutely phenomenal. The characters, the costumes, the nod to the fans. I loved all the like subtle details. You know, there was enough information that was close to the book, but I think this is what she would have done had she written it, you know, a few years later. It's the same as, you know, Holly Black did, I feel like with How the King of Elfheim Learned to Hate Stories. It's her listening to the fans and what didn't didn't make sense to us and, you know, the critics and all that kind of stuff and turning it into what did make sense in the show. I loved the changes in Mal. I, I love the idea of potentially there being a redemption arc. I love the three of crows and how they got brought into all of this. And, you know, this is the ultimate mashup. So I am ready for season two. So ready. So, <laughs> so ready. So very excited to see what they have coming down the line with this yeah, one. I really hope the show is going to be like the YA version of Bridgerton, you know, is an adaptation from a book and they knocked it out of the park. And I was like, I really hope that Shadow and Bone is going to be the YA version of Bridgerton. And I think it, I 1000% think it was. Yeah, and I think, they, I think they did a great job and I hope they continue to do Good as job. amazing as they, as they have been. High hopes for next season. Yeah. No obscure book recommendation of the week. Kirsten and I have just been reeling over finishing the show and binging <laughs> some new releases and things that have come out. So no obscure book recommendation. But the next few weeks we have planned is from Blood and Ash, Kingdom of Flesh and Fire, and A Crown of Gilded Bones will be our main episodes. We have a couple of bonus episodes coming out. We had way too much fun doing these episodes. Um, please subscribe, follow us on TikTok and Instagram. We're at the Bookish Banter Podcast. So please follow us there. Say hello. We're going to be doing lives on our Instagram on the third Thursday of every month at 4 p.m., Pacific and 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. So if you guys want to join us for that, head over to the Bookish Banter podcast on Instagram and follow us for those Thursday lives. And it'll be a Q&A and just fun stuff. It's a good time. Come join us over there. If you have any anything that you would like us to cover, please let us know. We're always up for suggestions and it doesn't have to be YA. It can be anything really. So yeah. thank you for listening to us. Hanging out. And- all over shadow and bone for the last four weeks it is appreciated we had a great time thank you for joining us yeah we're moving out of the total ya realm and into the new adult realm with from blood and ash but we'll do other things we swear (laughs) thank you guys thank you bye okay bye Thank you for listening to the Bookish Banter podcast this week. We would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thank you once again, and we'll see you all next week.